Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast. Today is a Q&A episode. I have three questions I want to dive into. Before I dive into those, I just want to go over some ways you can help support the podcast. So first, you can rate, leave a rating and review on Spotify or Apple or anything that you listen on. It'll be super helpful. Obviously, the more ratings and reviews it has, especially if this podcast has been helpful to you, that is going to, um, you know, obviously expand the reach of this podcast. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. I really appreciate that. And again, you'd be helping out somebody else. Next, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, JeffH91 underscore. That's where I am most active and put out most of my content. Uh, so follow me on there. And lastly, I have my one-on-one online coaching service. And with that, you know, I help people who want to build muscle, lose some body fat, you know, just look better in your swimsuit. And I've brought this up before, but, you know, there's obviously much more that, that goes into it than just, you know, your programming, your macros and things like that. And that stuff is definitely important. But again, learning more about yourself you know, figuring out really what your true bottleneck is, because what I see is it's not necessarily the calories and macros or like your training split. Obviously those things will be improved upon and we'll make sure that we really dial those in. But usually there's something else that is the reason you're not seeing the results you want. And having a coach and going through this process is uh, in my coaching program is where where you really learn about that. And that's something that you can take with you long-term. So obviously we're going to get you to see results now during the time we work together, but also setting yourself up long-term as well too, uh, is, is super important for me. And obviously having that education around, I think the education is important and you know, that education that's actually geared towards you. All right. So anyways, with that out of the way, let's dive into the question. So got a question, consider neutral grip versus pronated grip for machine chest press or go with uh, comfort feel. So for any of those who are not familiar, pronated is really where your palms are facing the other way. Um, so again, when you would do like a shoulder press with the barbell, you know, that's going to be a pronated grip. Okay. Um, neutral grip is where your palms are facing each other. And so, you know, he asked for chest press machine, what should I uh, do there with that? And so, yes, I do think you should go with what feels best um, to start off with it. Right. But let's dive into it a little bit deeper. Now I will say this is kind of the downside with using certain machines um, and barbells too, right? Is it does force you to choose between like one or the other in terms of your, your grip, right? You're kind of, you're limited by what the grip is for these machines. Okay. So I love machines. I love, I I like barbells, not as, I think they still can be great. I just, I don't think they're like this godsend of uh, equipment. I think they can be great and definitely still utilize them well with clients. But, but again, this is kind of the downside with these, with these things is it is kind of a fixed range of motion for like certain machines. And again, certain setup, you have to just set up that way based on how the machine is. And especially if it doesn't have those options and and same thing with, with barbells, you know, again, it, it, it forces you to choose kind of your grip and whatnot. Like with barbell, you can't do a neutral grip, right? Um, with machine, you know, maybe you can only do a neutral grip or maybe you can only do a pronated grip. You can't really like manipulate that, uh, uh, there and, and you have to set up a certain way for each one. Cause again, they're, they're fixed. And so this is why with like cables or dumbbells, you know, I I like to use those because you get a little bit more freedom in terms of how you set up and in terms of like how you go about it. Right. So in this example, I personally like a semi-pronated grip for like pressing, uh, for shoulder pressing, for chest pressing. And again, semi-pronated is basically in between neutral grip and a 
pronated grip, right? So you kind of are angled in a little bit and with like pressing, you know, if you're shoulder pressing and I, I know this is a podcast, so you can't see, but you could think where your elbows are flared out, like that's not going to be greatest for your shoulders. So kind of having those elbows come in a little bit angling, uh, you know, getting that semi-pronated grip that seems to be best for shoulder pressing. And it just seems to be better in terms of like impingement and stuff like that for shoulders. Same thing with chest pressing too. It's like, you don't want to go super tucked in with your elbows, but you also don't want to have those elbows super flared out um, as those are both just not going to be great for chest development there. So again, you're kind of limited in terms of barbell with that and with uh, machines, whereas like cables and dumbbells, you can get that a little bit more of that semi-pronated grip there with it. And so that's why I, I'm not saying just use dumbbells or cables, but that's why I've, I feel like more of my training is going more towards that because you really get that freedom there with it um, and, and, and whatnot. So again, long story short here with this, feel it out, see what feels best, um, but really try to, you know, if you have the option to use cables and dumbbells, definitely utilize that in combination with this too. Again, I think there's, again, there's always utilization for things like barbells and machines. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of machines, but we have to, you know, I think each thing is going to have a certain limitation um, with it for sure. So uh, that's that question. Uh, Again, if you have any thoughts on this or any questions, obviously reach out. Next, how do I avoid injuries when lifting? So I think here with this, there's always going to be an inherent risk when you lift, right? I mean, you're just, there's an inherent risk to get injured doing really anything and everything. Um, But training to build muscle does have a very low injury risk. What I will say on this is if anything, it does have a little bit of a higher risk for like chronic overuse injuries because of the amount of the amount of volume you have to do. But in terms of like acute injuries, lifting weights to build muscle is just very, it's going to be like the injury risk is, is very low um, from an acute type injury. Like obviously if you train like an idiot, you know, that's obviously going to lead to an increase to that. But if you have some understanding, you're not being an idiot about things, you're in, you're, you're going to be fine. Uh, now, again, the issue is you do have that little bit of a higher risk of like overuse injuries, right? And I'm talking like tendonitis. Um, I think I talked to Menno the other day and he said they call it tendinopathy now. Um, but tendonitis, you know, what probably what most people are used to a golfer's elbow, um, tennis elbow, whatever you want to call it. I think they are a little bit different. But either way, like that type of stuff, you know, some like kind of impingement stuff, like things like that. Those are those are kind of that that overuse type injuries. Those just from, you know, again, doing the same movements over and over again. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a higher risk there for that, but anyways, some big things for you to focus on to really kind of, uh, avoid injuries when lifting, you know, make sure you do warm up sets. Don't just go into your heavy working sets. Like make sure you do warm up sets. Um, especially if injuries have been a problem for you in the past, or you're dealing with them to me that you need to really focus on your warm up sets, you know, do one or two warm up sets before each exercise. You know, if you're doing bicep curls, maybe you only need to do one warm up set, but if you're doing like a back squat with a barbell, you probably need to do closer to two to three sets. So just feel it out. And also in terms of which muscle groups or joints are hurting, like, so again, if your shoulders are bothering you, anything that involves the shoulder, you might want to do a little bit more warm up sets. So make sure you're doing warm up sets. I, I, and these warm up sets are far away from failure. You're not, you're just working on technique and just getting the muscles warmed up for that. Okay. Next, don't make large volume or weight increases from one session to the next. This is a big thing where I, I feel like people just, they hear about progressive overload. So they're trying to add 10, 15 pounds each week, or they make an even bigger jump, or they do like one week, they do two sets. And then the next week they're doing like five or six sets. It's like, just be careful with these large increases in volume from one week to the next. They've shown that that really increases your injury risk when you do those. So make sure you're not taking those, those uh, big volume increases from, from one week to the next, you know, make smaller increases, um, 
from week to week or session session to session. Find techniques slash exercises that work best for you. So this is, I made a post on this today. You know, form videos are just so important and dialing in your technique can really help you for multiple things here. Obviously it helps lower the risk of injury acutely, but also long-term overuse injuries, right? Like if your technique's off just a little bit and you place a little bit more stress on your joint and you do high training volume, it's like over time, that's going to start to add up, right? So if you can continue to find exercises that work best for you and techniques and improving your technique and the skill, you're going to lower your injury risk over time because you're going to, you know, you're going to be doing the right thing there. You're going to be putting more stress on the muscle and whatnot. Now, again, we're still not going to ever be hundred percent injury adverse. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but again, you, I think you get my point there, but this is going to be something that is going to help you acutely and long-term as well. So continue to find techniques, exercises that work best for you. Take lighter weeks every four to eight weeks or so, you know, make sure you're taking deloads. Um, you're not just always pushing it week over week over week, like take some time to, to dial back. Um, I made again on the post I made today uh, on Instagram, one thing is, you know, being more reactive with your deloads, but again, listening to your body and being like, okay, Hey, it's, you know, in a typical program, I used to deload, I have to deload every five weeks, but it's like after the fifth week, if you feel good, you know, keep pushing yourself. Right. But you know, if it's been 10, 12, 20 weeks and you haven't taken a lighter week, like, okay, it's probably time you need to do that. So make sure you're taking these lighter weeks and even training sessions too. If you're feeling super beat up in one body part, particular body part, and you have a training session that day, you know, maybe you take a deload, uh, or that muscle group that week, right? So that session's a little bit lighter rather than taking an entire deload week. So again, use like reactive deload sessions as well too. Lastly, you know, and I can't stress this enough, get good sleep. Like to me, that honestly is probably number one, like make sure you're getting good sleep. If you're not getting good sleep, you're just going to increase injury risk when you lift, um, you know, from a, your just technique could be off, you know, fatigue's going to be a lot higher. And when you're fatigued, injury risk increases, et cetera. And, you know, make sure you aren't always in a calorie deficit. I think it's important that you do feel yourself at certain periods of time. Again, we're not overeating, but just make sure that you're not always in that, that calorie deficit. So those are some ways you can avoid injuries when lifting. Last question. So train, I train within 20 minutes of waking up. I've always trained fasted in maintenance. So they're going from fat loss to maintenance. Should I bump cows in my three meals that I eat per day, or should I try and get something small in pre-workout? So I think here, and my views on this have changed recently as well too, you know, it's really up to you. And I think both are going to be viable options. So obviously in maintenance, I'm assuming, you know, his goal becomes, Hey, I want to build a little bit more muscle. Obviously fat loss isn't my goal anymore. So should I, you know, eat before I train to like get a performance or is that going to help build muscle? And I think you might see a small performance increase by eating a little something before. So, you know, it might be worth trying that out if this is you in this situation. Um, again, maybe this isn't your exact situation, but if you're thinking about doing this. Um, but what you can stick with and what you enjoy is priority number one. If you eating beforehand is a pain in the ass and you can't get that done, it's like probably don't need to be like, I got to eat. I got to eat because I do think that as long as you feel yourself the day before, you're going to still have that in your system. So you're going to be fine to where if it's more practical for you to train fast it, that's fine. Just make sure that you get a meal in right after. If you train fast it, make sure you get a meal in right after, but uh, that's high in protein. But I think what we don't want to do here is we, again, we don't want to force eating ahead of time. If that's going to be a pain for you and it's just really hard for you to stick with that. That's, that's my first thing there the second is you're not going to get some magical fat loss benefit or like uh, body composition improvement by 
training fasted. So I don't want you to also think, oh, I, hey, I have to train fasted because I also think, especially if you feel like crap in your training sessions because you're training fasted. So I personally don't like to train fasted, so I won't do that. But I know people that, again, whether that be time constraints or preference, enjoy training fasted. Again, so long as you ate enough the day before, you're you're going to be, you're not going to see this like massive um, difference uh, there. I know Dr. Mike talks about this. He trains fasted in the morning now, which, you know, he's pretty jacked. Uh, so, so there's that. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Let me know if you guys have any questions. That's it for this episode. And I will chat with you guys later this week. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at JeffH91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.